All right, guys, we're back with part two of our men's mental health segment um, or piece that we're doing here. Um, if you didn't catch part one, definitely go back and get in and start because part two is going to sound really confusing to you. Um, um, as as we've been discussing before, I'm here with Ryan. He's my um, guest for this particular episode or piece that we're doing. Um, so what we would have ended on in the at the end of episode one was um, how men generally don't they don't seek help because sometimes the outlet isn't there they don't know where the outlet is there is an outlet sometimes but they don't know how to get to it or they're necessarily afraid to go to it because as we discussed before it they can be it, it's a sign of weakness to seek help for things that you might be dealing with and struggling with mentally and it does come across it, it does a lot it's a lot of things that can affect your mental like ryan has said financials financial situations relationships work um life in general could just do a number on you and sometimes the smallest thing if you're dealing with a lot of stuff a lot of stuff is weighing on you the smallest thing could send you over the edge they could have got your coffee order wrong and that will send you over the edge you know or they don't have your coffee that, that's that's another area i mean there's a lot of people ryan likes to drink a lot of coffee I've seen it. Um, so, <laughs> so um, but there's a lot of things that can do that. And when you don't necessarily know what to do or you're afraid to go and seek help because you might be dealing with an organization or that frowns upon that, or it just isn't something you were brought up with. Like as a black male, I can tell you right now that we, as black men, we really don't battle, that we do not win this battle with men's mental health. It is not something that we deal with. And actually, uh, that's across the board for black men and women. I was actually talking to my sister about this. We were, we're instilled at a young age to be very strong um, individuals. Um, so, and as men, when we grow up in life, we have to be that one that is the protector um, and that's that's for any race, but as a black male, I can speak to that and say that that is something that we that we get real early. Um, <laughs> so, given that, so given you're brought up with that, your upbringing that can affect how you move in adulthood. And then if you happen to go into a profession like Ryan in the military or a police officer or a firefighter or anything of that nature where you're looked at, it's more of a, um, a job that exudes masculinity um, and strength. And then now you say you have, you're struggling with your emotions because ultimately your emotions and your mental health play one in, they play with each other. Um, now you have a new problem. So then you start to go down as we ended on the rabbit hole of self-medication and how that can really down spiral you um, into a lot of different areas that you might not want to deal with. And then sometimes once you're there, it's even harder to get out of because you're still dealing with the problems you started with, but now you have a new problem which could possibly be um, a form of addiction. And that could be in many different ways. It could be with um, substance or alcoholism, you could be a sex addict. That is another form of addiction that people use to um, self-medicate. Um, there's no emotion that's involved. You, It's just all about the physicality of it. You really don't even know who you're sleeping with at some point in time. So 
there's a lot of different things. Um, I'm I feel I feel like Ryan has some insight to maybe some self medications um, as he struggled with his own mental health. So let's ask him. Let, let's ask him. Um, <laughs> uh, Ryan, yeah. the shower the shower listeners want to know. Have you had to deal with self-medication or maybe a soldier or someone, a close friend or you personally? Sure. So I'll just say um, you're welcome for the, the name of the podcast, by the way. He but, thinks that he named this podcast. No, in all reality, um, in a very awkward way, right? And mm-hmm. I'll segue into what mm-hmm. we're discussing. But um, growing up, I always took very long showers, right? And mm-hmm. as a man or boy going through puberty. Family members always thought I was doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, but the name of the podcast is suiting, especially for me. And I don't know why it is the way that it is, but for me, that is my favorite place in the world. Obviously you've seen the shower that I built here, but Mm -hmm. um, it's where I make all my decisions. That's where I contemplate life. I figure things out, I go through the hard times i i decide that i never bring my phone i never bring any electronics mm-hmm. i decide all my things in the shower but um yeah in terms of substances i guess i have been open about it recently mm-hmm. which is new for me i have been sober now for 40 days congratulations um, That's... since my last mistake mm-hmm. um yeah so I guess for me, the last three to four years, I I took a job in the military here in Colorado that I knew I wasn't going to enjoy, right? Um, it wasn't necessarily for me, but it allowed me the opportunity to basically be home every night mm-hmm. with some short-term things, right? Never to exceed generally a month. Um, and I did that for a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Where I came from most of the places that I worked where it's hard training schedules. We're in the field or we're gone or we're doing exercises somewhere else in this country or we're in another country doing those sorts of things. So I was seeing somebody for a long time. We did a lot of distance while she finished school and things like that. Um, and this was kind of the first opportunity where I could take a job that it was going to be difficult. Um, but would afford me the opportunity to kind of work like an eight to five, right? Um, and generally have all of my weekends to kind of focus on relationship, right? And all sorts of those things. So in that regard, I kind of lost purpose at work, at least for me, right? So I've had a lot of discussions with men the last month on purpose in life in terms of a career or the things that motivate you outside of your home, right? And a lot of men think that I have to do something prestigious or masculine, or I have to serve in some capacity and you don't. That's that's completely wrong because I've had great discussions with people that are a manager for Walmart and they have more purpose in their life than I had for the last four years. So for every man, it's very different, right? You could be a manager at McDonald's and have purpose outside of your home Mm -hmm. and be content with that, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I lost purpose in that, um, in that regard, I guess, probably because of what I had done for the last eight years in the military before I came here. So, um, and then 
I've went through a lot of relationship stuff, right? It is difficult and I don't want to probably some things out, right? I, right. I, I'm on a new journey. I'm on a new path. I, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, I certainly, there's nobody to bad mouth or say anything bad about, right? But mm. especially when you start living together and figuring things out, relationships are extremely difficult, yeah. right? Um, and I think where the military maybe doesn't have all of the understanding of they understand training cycles or we'll do like a pre-deployment exercise for a month or two. Um, they understand deployments and how that can wear on a family. But I think there's this other component, especially in our generation now where they don't understand that women, especially in the workforce now are pursuing careers that are tied to locations, right? So that was probably the biggest challenge for me is, I had done distance for about a year and a half with somebody. This was the first opportunity to live together, mm -hmm. build a life together. Um, but the things that she wanted to pursue in her life and her career just really weren't suited for Colorado Springs, right? So it caused a lot of conflict. Um, it made things extremely difficult and I went through some traumatic experiences with it. And uh, for me, I guess I, I used alcohol, um, for the better part of the last three years, um, which is extremely weird for me. Um, I grew up in a, what most would consider an extremely difficult situation as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of addiction in terms of drugs and alcohol and things like that. Parents being removed from the home, right. Being around that sort of lifestyle and understanding of it. I got so far away from it. Um, that even when I turned 21, I didn't drink. I didn't go out in college. I was focused. I was doing the military stuff and, and pursuing two degrees. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to drink. Um, I was hell bent on staying as far away from that lifestyle as possible. Right. Um, but I've had some good discussions over the last few years on understanding how that can quickly turn into something different when you're dealing with things that you don't understand how to control. Right. And for me, that was, I could not figure out how to pursue a relationship and make both people in the relationship happy because it was tied to location. So in terms of the military, um, I think where they don't understand potentially a lot is maybe not deploying or going forward for those exercises, telling somebody like, Hey, whether you like it or not, you're going to Fort Carson, Colorado may not be suitable for the other partner in the relationship. Right? right. And that, especially with women nowadays causes a lot of difficulties, right? Right. Especially if they're pursuing a career that's tied to, you know, specific locations and things like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, in terms of substances, I guess for me, uh, you know, the military drug tests and all sorts of things like that. So mm -hmm. I never went down that road, but, um, drinking became a pretty daily thing for me. Um, and I have stopped, I guess a lot within those three years for a month or two. Um, we tried to mend things and try again in the relationship. Right. Um, and for me, probably the one, <laughs> probably one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen and of myself was, um, she had like taken a video or recorded a conversation when she started a conversation 
I was completely not sober. Um, and she recorded it and just listening to myself for that five minutes was probably the most embarrassing experience in my life. So, um, I stopped after that for two months mm -hmm. and it was for her, I guess, for the most part. I think when I look back on it now, it was really for her, right? To see like, is this the reason the relationship is not working out? And after those two months, I realized that it was not the reason, right? There, there were many other things that contributed to um, difficulties within the relationship. So for me, it was very easy to go back, especially when I had bad influences in my life. Um, but this time around, I guess about 40 days now, I, uh, been really open about it. Mm -hmm. um, I just took a bike trip and went back home to kind of see people that I care about for the last time and work on myself. And, uh, I was really open about it with everybody. It was, uh, I guess last time was more of just a hiding it. Like, you know, if it was offered, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm okay today. I'm, I'm good for the night. I right. whatever, but this time it was just, I don't drink. I'm not doing that. I, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I don't do that. That's not for me. Right? right. So I've attended Alcoholics Anonymous meetings almost every day within those 40 days, a lot of them virtually. Um, and in some ways it helps in a lot of ways for me, it's not the best it's not the best way, I guess, to stay away from it or deal with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really easy decision whether you choose to do that or not do that. Um, it's really the outside factors where they kind of wear on your ability to, hey, I'm not doing this anymore to fuck it, right? And then yeah. that's really the part that I needed help with mm -hmm. was if I'm not doing it, it's fine. I'm not, it, it's a, the decision is made before I go out, before I'm social, before I talk to anybody, before I, you know, go to any events, the decision is already made. Right. It's not a choice. It's when, and discussing this with a lot of men, it's when the things happen in life that you didn't expect mm -hmm. or that you can't control, mm -hmm. right. Or something traumatic happens where that decision can quickly go from, I don't do that. I'm not doing this to. I don't really care. Right. So right. that's where I needed some help. Um, was kind of keeping that decision grounded in doing it for myself. It's not for somebody else anymore. It's right. like, this is not me. This is not the person I've ever been in my right. life. I didn't even really start drinking much at all outside of, you know, some parties and social events and stuff like that until mm -hmm. I was about 30 years old. So, mm -hmm. um, definitely went through my own journey the last couple of years. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I lost the purpose at work. And then I did that with the hopes of pursuing a life, a personal life with somebody in a relationship that ended up not working out several times because of careers and other things that, you know, somebody else wanted to pursue in life. So for me, it was easy to, especially with the influences that I had mm -hmm. to turn on a video game and play call of duty and drink. Right. And it was a numbing factor, right? Mm -hmm. And I could, spend six or seven hours on a Saturday and not think about work and not think about a relationship and, mm -hmm. and just, um, play a video game with the boys and, and spend my day drinking beer. So, yeah. um, last few months have really been, uh, kind of a wake up call in terms of what you want in life. I guess yeah. trying to understand like, this isn't, this isn't me. Right. 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 Maybe you went through some things, um, 
and seeing all of that from my childhood with my parents and things like that, it's, um, I stayed so far away from it for so long. Mm -hmm. The last couple of years, and I think I had some good discussions, uh, especially with my mom, who has been through some very traumatic experiences in life that most people can never fathom. Um, and she used alcohol as a tool for a long time, and I was there to witness that. Um, but I think about a month ago, I, I went home not understanding as a child why you do those things or why you need to resort to something like that. But about a month ago, I just looked at her and I said, I understand. It makes perfect sense. Like I, I understand the temporary shut off of thoughts that mm -hmm. you do not want to think about. Right. And you can focus on something useless, like a right. video game right. or drink and numb the pain, even if it's temporary and you know, it's going to be worse the next day. Um, it was a good outlet to kind of numb all of those things that I wasn't happy about. So. Right. I think a lot of thing, one thing I want to, cause you've said it a couple of times is, um, leaving things out. Um, I think it's good to leave things out, not because of your being, um, untruthful, you're being not untruthful or you're trying to allude to certain things. I've said it time. It, it, it's a point. I think a point in time when you go through things, you want to leave things out because it, they don't, you've realized they're not as something that matters as much to the really weight of the story, especially when it comes into you as the person of who you're trying to be. You know, I think a lot of times in a, that people, dwell on things for too long and they want to harp on things. There's an episode called In the Past that's in season one that ties directly to this right now of holding a lot of times people who are going through mental health um, issues, they're holding on to so many things that have to do with something that happened to them in the past. And they're allowing it to dictate how they're maneuvering in life now as an adult that it it causes you to do things like drink or use substance or something like that. And then you're holding on to that. And then you run into a situation like he did, like Ryan did with the relationship. And it creates these, it, it's like the perfect storm starts to create and form. And now you don't know what to do because you're in the eye of the storm, essentially, you know? <laughs> I think, um, and I'll bring this up too, and I've had a lot of discussions, I guess, in some of the forums with men. Um, I think the hardest part, possibly even more so than a relationship is men who do not have a choice in their journey, but to cut out other men. Uh, mm -hmm. and I finally did that, uh, 40 days ago when I stopped drinking. Um, and it was absolutely one of the most difficult things I've probably ever done in my life. Right. I, um, my weapon squad leader in Italy, who was my platoon sergeant and everything else, him and I were very close. We served at three different duty stations together. He moved here because I was here. Um, I mean, I was there for most of his son's childhood. He asked me when we left Italy and we knew we were going to kind of move together. He asked me to be his son's godfather, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I love him to death and I always will. But he's probably the worst influence for me in terms of uh, alcohol and, and other things to kind of numb some of the stuff that he is not working through in his own life, right? So uh, it was an extremely difficult conversation. And I told him 
you know, I will always be here for your son. I will always be here for you and your wife, but where I'm at right now and, and where I want to be for the, the time being, I just like, I can't have you uh, as a part of my life. Right? right. And I think going through something like that with somebody I've been close with for like nine years now is even potentially harder than relationships and other things that guys have to go through. Um, and I've had some really good discussions with guys where it's like, you know, guys want to get away from drugs or alcohol or the situations that they're in. Right. And it's, um, me and my best friend in the whole world. Right. I, I shared a quote with him probably 10 years ago and now he is just killing it in every aspect of life. But, um, I told him when he was younger and watched me go to Italy and start doing all of these things and pursuing a career and getting out of a, a bad place to grow up. Right. And all of those things, um, there was a quote that I shared with him because to me, when I would come home, he's hanging out with people that are doing nothing with their life. Right. And he was mm -hmm. talking about the things that I was doing. And I was like, you show me the five people that are you, that you are closest with in this world. And I will tell you your character. Um, and we've kind of shared that with each other throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that was one of the hardest decisions is, is especially somebody that I served with for so long was so close with, um, shared a house. I mean, he lived here temporarily for many different times. Right. Um, and especially being there for his, his child and all of those things. And I will always be there, but it is a, uh, at least for the time being until mm -hmm. I am strong enough and capable to not give in when you say it's just one night. Right. Right. Because for me, it's not just one night. Right. Yeah. Like if I do it, it is unfortunate. To, I'm really good at it. That's the bad part mm -hmm. is, uh, I, I know myself and I know that I won't stop. So that one night turns into two or three or four. And then the next thing I know, I'm kind of back down that road. So, right. The few times I have stopped where, um, you know, I was still with him and had a, um, had been spending a lot of time with him, made it very easy to not make good decisions. So I, you know, I said, at least for the time being, I'm sorry, but I kind of have to cut you out of my life right now until I can get to a stronger place where that's not even a thought that enters my mind, right. regardless of what you say or how right. you impact it. Right. Um, how did he take that? Uh, not great, I guess. Um, but was he supportive in what you're going through? It depends. Um, he drinks a lot himself. Uh, when he was sober and it's in the morning, it's, hey, I kind of understand, you know, do whatever you got to do. But the moment that he starts drinking, it's, uh, you know, it's a phone call, like, stop being a bitch. Right. Just, it's just one night, you know, hop on a game, play a game with me, whatever. Right. You know, just go get a case of beer. Just right. stop. We'll talk, whatever, you know. So right. it's, that's not the understanding part that I needed. I right. Um, and that's kind of the influence that I had to cut out. And it's, it's a hard process to go through. And I've kind of been sharing that with um, some of the other men too, is like, if you're trying to get away from drugs or alcohol or other bad habits, the hardest thing you're going to probably have to do in, is not quit the substance that you're using. Quit the people. It's going to be quitting the people. And that could be friends or the people that you are closest to that are all mm -hmm. doing those things because that's mm -hmm. 
inevitably who you associate with when you're right. doing those things, right? Yeah. It's the people that drink all the time that are in bars with other people that are drinking, right? Or doing yeah. those things. And if you really want to change something, you have to let those people know, like, hey, this just isn't me anymore, right? Right. And I went home, um, and there's a you know some people I grew up with, I've known since I was a little kid that I'm real close with. Um, and we went out. I probably went to a hundred different bars. That's what a lot of people do when they're riding motorcycles, things like that, right? And mm -hmm. I never one time had a drink, never thought about it. It wasn't an option. Um, and they were super understanding to the point, like by the third day of like, hey man, I, I just don't do it anymore. I don't drink. Like um, one of my friends I've known since we were a little kid growing up on the river and on jet skis and whatever, he just he'd go grab a non-alcoholic beer or a soda or something, you know, it wasn't even a question. It wasn't a, you know, just have one with the guys, right. you know, whatever. He's like, no, Ryan, Ryan doesn't do that anymore. So, um, that was good, I guess. Um, they're really supportive of it. So those are the kind of people you want to keep around for sure that understand like, Hey, I just need to get to a better place. I have not been myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but talking with a lot of those guys, it's the, it's the close relationships, especially like that, where you have to kind of take a step back and unfortunately maybe cut some people out of your life, whether it be permanent or temporary. But if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a big step and change anything in your life, mm -hmm. it, it's not easy, especially in the beginning to be around that. I would say, especially in the first month, if I was still here with him or if he had showed up at my house with a case of beer, it would have been extremely difficult in the first month to not give in to, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. say, Hey, that's eh, fine. It's just one night. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a big and key important thing for people to understand when you're working on yourself, um, there is going to be some times where you are absolutely, like he said, going to have to cut some people out of your life because there are some people who are there to really support you, like his friends he mentioned in um, when he was back home. They were there, like, you know, they understood what you were going through. And then you have people who sort of understand what you're going through, but don't necessarily support what you're going through. Um, and unfortunately, those are the ones that have to take a back seat to you at this point, because what you're doing in that instance is finally putting yourself in front. You're putting yourself in your forefront of, I don't want to be like this anymore. You've accepted that you have an issue or you have a problem that you're struggling with and you don't like it. And you want to work on yourself to be a better version of what you see yourself being. You can see the potential of yourself, but unfortunately there's some obstacles that are in front of you that are not that you really need to get away from, unfortunately. And sometimes those obstacles are people um, and you have to just cut them out. And that's not necessarily friends. Sometimes it's family members. Some Your family members could be honestly the some of the worst influences in your path out there. And their reason why is because they're your family member and they're supposed to be the one that's really supporting you in the best way. But sometimes... They're the ones that's holding you back. So you have to cut them out. And like he said, that doesn't mean that you're cutting someone out for good. Sometimes that is, sometimes that is, that, that it's not. But if the person is understanding with that, I've had friends that I've gone through that. Like, I'm just not, I'm working on something with myself and you 
you ain't on this boat. I'm sorry. This this train is going to keep on moving. I'm sorry. We have to put you off at stop four and you can go around and do some shopping a little bit. Maybe we'll pick you back up when we stop at uh, mile marker 18, you know? <laughs> um, and you just sometimes that's just how that is. So people in your life, if you're trying to work on yourself, you have to start to notice and pay attention and you really start to figure it out very soon, very early on. Once that realization comes into your brain that I need to work on me and I'm working on me, people who are not there to support you are going to start showing, they're like giant red flags that you start noticing almost immediately um, because they're the ones that keep trying to pull you back to where you're coming from. Um, and in this case where you're dealing with an addiction like alcohol or a substance or any type of addiction that per you, you got to cut them out. I see it all the time when people are coming or I've seen it when people are coming out of prison and they've lived a life of crime, um, or drug abuse. And now they're trying to change themselves. They have to cut themselves, cut that old life out and start brand new. Um, and we gonna continue diving into this cause it's getting juicy y'all. <laughs> but y'all know they hit me with the 30. I'm in the red numbers. <laughs> so tune in, we're gonna hit it back with part three. We're here talking about men's health, uh, men's, men's mental health. All right, so kick back. We'll catch you up on part three.